Welcome, this is Coach Colette, and you are listening to another episode of Coach Chat. Today, you'll hear from my guest, Jimmy Allen, who is a certified calling in the one coach. And we talk all about what are your patterns in love and how can they get in the way of you having what Jimmy calls crazy juicy love. What comes to mind when I say the word juicy? We talk about this in today's episode and just as a note, giving you a challenge to see if you can guess how many times we say the word juicy in this episode. All kidding aside, we talk all about limiting beliefs, where do they come from, how can we rewrite them and stop them from getting in the way of creating intimate, fulfilling relationships. Are you ready? Listen up. Hi, this is Coach Colette, and I am really excited for another episode of Coach Chat. And today I'm going to be speaking with Jimmy Allen, who is a calling in the one coach. And I can't really <laughs> wait to hear what that means. And he's on a mission to disrupt people's patterns in their love stories so they can get out of the way of what's blocking them from juicy love. So, <laughs> Coach Chat, Jimmy. Hi, how are you, Colette? Thank you for I'm, having me. I am well. I'm excited to talk about this <laughs> love thing. Yeah. Yes. Uh, and we're also going to be talking about that mission of yours, which is really about disrupting people's patterns and limiting beliefs that get in the way of, of love. Yeah. So, so tell me, how, how did we get here? How did you become a calling in the one coach? Uh, it's a, it's a, it was a real journey. Like I, um, what happened was I had just completed this, um, transformational workshop that we both took and a friend of mine, uh, she said, here, read this book called Calling in the One. I think you'll love it. You're ready for love. And there, and I was like, what is this book? She's like, just go on Amazon, buy the book and that's it. So went on Amazon, saw the reviews, didn't hesitate. So I just bought it and by chance started reading it. And then a part of the book, you are, uh, it recommends that you do the book within a group because you get the group benefits of sharing each other's lives. And so you're not supposed to coach each other in the call in the the group. And I ended up like, when my friends would share, I would hear these things beyond what they were saying and I would say it. And one of my friends, she broke down crying during one of our sessions, uh, one of our group sessions, like she, you know, was calling in, you know, this love and she had this real, this long time resentment towards her sister that owed her money. And I just called her out. I was like, listen, you're trying to call in love and you have this, two years haven't taught your sister over a hundred dollars. Like you are living your life. Like you have tomorrow promise to you. And I just like stood my ground of like, she's going to call her sister today and she's, I'll call her tomorrow. And she called her and 
her sister said, you know, I was really afraid to talk to you because of the past, all these things that I know how you are. I know how you with, with um, when it comes to owing things. And I was like, see, this is what stops you in love. And then my friend was like, you need to coach this. Like you, I wouldn't have never done this if you wouldn't stood for me. I'm calling my sister and here it is two years of me not talking to my sister. And now I have bridged the gap based off my taking a responsibility of how I, um, how she's was behaving with her sister, how she's programmed her sister to not share what's really going on. And she was able to take responsibility of her actions that caused her sister not to reach out to her and tell her what was really going on, that she was really struggling with money. And it really like just resolved or helped on the way to resolve that relationship. My friend was like, this is what you're meant to do. And like, I had never had the thought about being a coach until she said that. And then all of a sudden, all these, I asked the universe, this is what I'm meant to do. You know, I need more signs. And so um, I was reading this book called uh, The Life-Changing Magic of Tidying Up. And I was doing the decluttering of all my books. And then she said, you know, step back and look at what's left. That's what you're meant to do in your life. And when I look back, and I stepped back and looked at my bookshelf. It was all like love, books on love, books on um, uh, like how to improve your life. And I was just like, oh my God, I think this is what I'm meant to do. And in that moment, I went to my computer and I looked up um, Calling in the One and the, and the author, and there was an ad right there looking for coaches. And so I went online and I read you know, the requirements and what she's looking for, and I just started crying. And I was like, oh my God, I think this is what I'm meant to do. And I applied and I got a partial scholarship and here I am. (laughs) That's amazing. That's an amazing journey, both in terms of that initial person that you mentioned, you know, that guiding that person through that process of confronting their own beliefs and then also examining your own life, right? And looking at, okay, what not necessarily what's gotten in the way, but what is this calling? Like, was this just kind of a fun thing? Was this, right. was this a fluke or is this what I'm meant to do? Right. And I think also in that moment, when I looked back at my bookshelf, I literally for, for a moment, like really got like, wow, my life has been preparing me for this moment. Everything that I've done for being a dancer, for being an actor, from working and catering, managing events. I just saw how, how all of it just really was preparing me for this moment. And it was just wow. like, it was like very surreal for me. That's amazing. And, yeah. <laughs> and so, so here you are calling in the one. And yeah, I mean, I think all of us have been on this journey at various points in our lives in terms of feeling like I want a relationship, right? Yeah. And it's interesting in that first example that you shared, it wasn't necessarily about quote unquote love. It was about money, but we know that money is energy. Mm-hmm. So in that case, the person was setting up blocks to money, right? right. So then, and then that can be similar to how we set up blocks in other areas of our lives. Would you agree? Right. Yeah. And it was, even though it was money because it was how she was handling the relationship around money. And, you know, she had all these like really 
strict rules about love and and it was very limiting to her and and I was just like you know and I what I've learned from with Catherine like you know our relationship with the closest people in our lives like mother father sister all of them are a direct reflection of how we're going to show up in love so it was really critical for her to tackle this because she always especially when it comes to money or people owing her money she cuts people off quickly and so that's how she was she cut men off for eight years and it was like okay enough is enough you know let's if, if this is what you really want then it's time to tackle these relationships in your life that is are directly preparing you for love mm-hmm. you know um you know gabriella bernstein from the author of the, um, the universe has your back says that you know the universe everybody in your life is your school so you're learning constantly learning from each and every person in your life and Catherine says this too like you know we our relationships with the people our best friends are like I said before sister mother father they are our lessons our schools of how we're going to cultivate that love that we're calling in mm-hmm and how how do we develop these uh, limiting beliefs that you know cause us to believe oh I don't deserve this or I'll never get this? Where, where do you think those beliefs surface or come from? Um, a lot of it comes from our childhood and different you know aspects of like there's like three moments um, like you know childhood, adolescence, and teenager, teenage, um, young adult where there's moments that happen. And then we make it mean something about ourselves. And then we operate like it's the truth throughout our lives. You know, like, for instance, like one of the things that I recently discovered was like, I don't trust. And I was like, oh, my God, like, where did that come from? You know, and it was a moment where and it was a very simple moment. I had totally forgot about it. Um, I was supposed to get the scholarship um, when I was in high school and my mom worked the night shift and she didn't take down the information when they called correctly. And so in that moment, I was like, I don't trust her. But, I, but for, for, for me, I didn't trust people enough to like have my back. So I, I will over give, overachieve. It's expecting that other person's not going to fulfill on what I want. So I'm going to just over give. And I'm, I'm, I'm going to... Um, one of the things that what happens when you we don't trust, like you, you, you don't really vet the person. Like you just go straight in and like you I overfunction in relationships without properly getting to know them right away. And then all of a sudden they do something like, see, I don't trust you. And I'm like, I'm gone. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Right. So in some ways they become self-fulfilling prophecies. Right operating from this belief, oh, I don't trust. Right. Someone's going to let me down. Right. So I operate in a way that creates that reality where, and then like you said, where, where you can be right, right? Because right. in essence, we also, a lot, a, a lot of, a, excuse me, a, a piece of that ego, right, is, is that I right. want to be right. So then the right. ego operating from the limiting belief is going to put itself in the situation to be like, yep, see, I told right. you. Yes. So it's like we're unconsciously doing these things that validates the the core belief of something like I don't trust. 
mm-hmm. so we can be right about it and make the other person wrong. Mm-hmm. And that's interesting. How did you come to, because you said earlier that you didn't recall that uh, initial scenario. How did you begin to unpack and tie uh, your distrust back to that childhood scenario? Um, well, what had happened was I, I had just redid the forum and I think somebody was sharing something about their life and I don't know, it just like, can't, since I'm already in this sort of calling the one discovering sort of uh, mindset. Um, and I think because re- at the time I was also coaching a client who her core belief was I don't matter. So all of her, like what she was discovering, I was also like curious about my own. I was always, I was in this curiosity moment of my own because like Catherine, it's like when you really hit that core belief, everything just makes sense. And before, like, you know, one of my first ones was like, um, I'm not good enough. And it was like, it was like, you know, relatively, you know, it fit, but it didn't quite fit. And then at first it was like, oh, I'm not safe. Um, And I am safe. I mean, translate to I am, I don't trust. And then I saw it like clear as day. It was like with one of my best friends. I was like, why do I always come back to this moment where I we have these moments where I feel like I want to drop this friendship and, and I, and I said, Oh my God, I don't feel safe with him. And that's what it first started. I had this moment where I don't feel safe sharing myself with him. And I was like, Oh my God, like, I think that's it. I don't, I don't trust him. And in another conversation with another guy, he even said, you know, um, he, he realized that he was an asshole and that he could just easily dismiss people. And in that moment, I said, oh my God, like that's me. Like, I, cause I don't feel safe with one of my friends. It, he, my friend came back up again. And then after I got off the, the phone with my friend, I called my best friend and I told him, like it was a very uncomfortable conversation. And I said, you know, I realized that I don't trust you. I don't trust myself with you. I don't trust being vulnerable with you. It was very hard for me to say that because this is somebody who I've known for like nine years and to be that open and vulnerable, I realized then I, as I was talking with him, I said, this is why I don't share myself vulnerably with you because I feel like you're going to attack me. This is why I don't go there with you because everything is like a Debbie Downer. And like, and then he said, yeah, I don't trust you. I don't trust myself with you either. So we both have the same core belief which is combating with each other, which is why we stop and we stop communicating with each other and we stop sharing ourselves with each other and we don't feel safe because we don't feel like we're being heard. Mm. And it it just like, and then I started looking back as Catherine had these paradigms of like different core beliefs and I started reading about uh, I'm not safe. And I was like, oh my goodness, like everything in this paradigm, like that is, that's me. Mm. Like I need to learn how to develop some skills to push back on this core belief, but otherwise it is, it is running my life. Right. Right. Yeah. And, I, and I love that you shared that because I think as coaches, it's important for us to continue to do our work. Right. Yeah. And, and and walk walk our own talk. Oh, yeah, yeah, and I and I I'm transparent about that as well. When when I run into my beliefs, it's interesting. I was actually speaking at an event the other night, and I was talking about 
uh, one of the things that from from junior high school for me was that mm. belief internalizing the who does she think she is, right? And so I can bump up against that belief as you know, as business grows, as certain things happen, and it will surprise me where it mm-hmm. will somehow come up in some way. Yeah. And like you're saying, it's like now that it's now that it's a known thing, I I can most of the time I can recognize it, right? And begin to address it. So I think you know, like we're saying here, that it doesn't just because we have them doesn't mean that we can't. Um, address them, be aware of them and work through them. Right. And it's really, the power is like really being aware of it first. And then, you know, for me, that's like an exercise, like, you know, work with my clients and I literally sometimes be in the middle of the street or in a park or somewhere. And I feel this sense of like, I don't feel safe. I don't trust coming on. I have to stop and ask myself, okay, I'll say, okay, what am I feeling right now? Okay, okay, I feel kind of like antsy, kind of like needy right now. Or And I say, okay, well, what do I need? And then, you know, I'll wait for the answer. Like, oh, I need to I need to articulate myself. I need to say something to someone. I need to get, you know, actually pause and put some priorities in order so I can keep moving forward in my day. And I'll literally do that, like, immediately to take action. Like, it's important to take action against that core belief just so you can really keep pushing yourself in that muscle of um, developing it because, you know, I'm 40 and that I am safe, I am trusting has been running my life for like 40 years. So it's like we've, it's like ingrained in us. So it's like learning how to develop skills and communication skills with myself and with people and articulate with my friends what's what's really happening, what's going on, even though it's uncomfortable and developing, you know, a lot of things that I see with, um, with clients, like the willingness to have these uncomfortable conversations because that's where ultimately the breakthroughs happen. It's not in our head. It's out there with other people. Most people all think about it. It's like, you know, what you, you know, you want to be on the court. <laughs> to making this happen because it, it it lives in reality when you're actually communicating with someone about this core belief and you make a creation or declaration like this is not going to be in the way of our relationship anymore and mm-hmm. you have an accountability partner that's also looking out for you which is important too when you're in a relationship like stating what it is what i'm committed to and this is what i'm committed to for our relationship from now on mm-hmm Right. I think so. So you said a lot there. That was amazing. So I think that first part, the awareness, and then I heard you say sort of taking action or setting intentions around that. Um, What do you think gets in the way between I'm aware of it and then I'm actually going to do something to change it? (laughs) What gets in the way? Um, I think, well, right there for me, it's ego. Like mm-hmm. our ego gets in the way and wants to be right, especially owning up or admitting something. Like, um, you know, with my friend, like for a long time, I wanted to be right about him. You know, I didn't want to admit anything from him or just I wanted him 
to own up to his crap. And I was like, because I was always right. I, you know, this is why I should that. I, I deserve to feel this way. And when your ego is in place, it's it's running the show and it's like really pushing you further away from love and affinity, really. And um, a lot of it's just like want to be right about something. Mm-hmm. and want to be righteous <laughs> you know and it's 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 ego and sometimes you have to go okay what i like what you said going back to intention it's like okay well what am i really committed to like if it's my intention to have you know my phrase is a juicy love life is being right about this in line with what i'm creating for my life and love and if it's not then i need to take action Otherwise, I'm being right in my ego about this situation or whatever. Right, right. It's that part of that phrase, which is, you know, do you want to be right or do you want to be happy? Right. Yeah. You know, and it runs people's lives. Like, you know, this is why so much like, you know, chaos in the world, because do you want to be right or do you want to have love? Like, that's the difference between having peace in the world. Like, do you want to be right about this or we can just like solve this right now and create love right now? Like it's a right now factor, not a someday factor. Mm, That's interesting. So, because I think the, the immediacy is interesting because we can, so there's all these levels, right? There's, I'm aware of it. I want to make change. Mm -hmm. Okay. But do I want to make change now or am I wanting to change two weeks from now, next month? You know, it's like, cause a lot of, a lot of us, you know, especially when you're in twenties and your thirties or forties, you know, there's this belief of like, oh, I have time. Like this someday, I wonder if, you know, kind of like mentality. And, you know, I, I realized like through a lot of like work on myself and like, I'm a huge fan of Eckhart Tolle and stuff like that. And, you know, it's like, he's like, no, like life is now. Like the past is already gone. The future is not promised to you. Life is happening right now. Like what if, if I'm committed to love, not just what I'm calling in, but in my life, that's happening right now because otherwise this is how it shows up in relationships. You know, I have a, um, one of my friends, um, they were on the verge of getting a divorce. And, um, and I was just like, you know what? I need to get into this relationship, this relationship and, and help and help them. Like they didn't ask, but I was just like, you know what? I, I'm really committed to this, this relationship because nobody else around them really saw that they had potential of being together. If some reason I was the only one who I was like, I know this can happen. I see the love. There are just some blocks in the way. So, you know, I had my friend Reed calling in the one and it really shifted who he was. And so I really coached him around some things. And then he just dramatically changed a lot of how he was showing up in his love life. And then, you know, she came into town and then she's like, you know, I don't know if I can believe that he can sustain this. And I said to her, I said, right. If you believe that, then it's not possible. I said, the longer you hold on to that belief that how long he's not, how is he able to sustain it? Then he has no shot with you. I was like, you 
have to make amends with yourself first because you, your, she, her core belief is I don't trust as well. So when she doesn't trust, she like, he has to work overtime, he has to keep proving himself. And, and then it doesn't matter how much or how much he gives, like she still doesn't trust it. And she always pushes back. I was like, there's some healing that needs to be done in your life that you keep directly punishing him for until you tackle that, he has no shot with you. And she just started crying. And I said, you know, not only do you need to make amends with yourself, but you need to make amends with him that you're not gonna allow this to run your life anymore. And, and she was like, okay, I can do that. And I said, do it today because there is no, tomorrow is not guaranteed to you. Like your marriage is in a critical state right now. You can do this. And if you need some support, I'll be here to support you. And she did it. And now there, she stopped the divorce and they're doing pretty good. And so I'm just like, you know, I'm happy that they were able to like work some things out. I'm sure they have more to work on. It's a process, but it's really for me as a coach, saying what needs to be said, even though they don't like it, and hopefully make an impact that they can change or help them believe that they can push back on their core belief. Hey, this is Coach Colette. If you're in a relationship, have you ever wondered why your partner does or says some things that seem to be the exact opposite of what you would do or say? Well, we're all built differently, yet once you understand what motivates your partner, you can communicate with him or her in ways that help to strengthen your relationship as opposed to creating more conflict. To better understand how you can relate to your partner, I recommend you check out our Clarify Your Priorities session. Go to startwithincoaching.com and click on Book Online so that you can learn more how to schedule your Clarify Your Priorities for Couples session. You'll get access to take the online Priosis assessment, and then we'll have a conversation about how you can better relate to your partner by understanding his or her priorities. So go to startwithincoaching.com, click on Book Online, and book your Clarify Your Priorities session for your partnership. And what I'm also wondering is how, how do we also set boundaries, right? Because I think it, it's, a, it's an interesting dance, like relationships mm -hmm. are like a dance, right? So there's the sense of, 
um, how much I allow in, how much I trust. And then there also is how do I also have, I want to say healthy boundaries or like healthy protection, right? Because Mm -hmm. I think that that's the challenge. So someone, even for me, you know, I can say like, okay, I set a boundary and, you know, maybe the boundary is like a brick wall, right? But okay, so maybe, or is the boundary kind of like something that's flexible that moves in and out, right? Does that make sense? Yeah. Um, Well, boundaries are like really important. It depends on what the boundary is. Like if if the boundary is, you know, um, like one of the things, especially with men, like I won't talk about, you know, something personal, like, you know, men have a hard time articulating their feelings and won't go there. So they set this like boundary, which is a, not a really healthy boundary because then therefore the person has, they can't get to know you. They can't really, you know, see what's going on with you. They can't really know how to help you. They can't really communicate with you. So that kind of boundary, I won't go there. You know, you, this won't let me in because that actually happened to me in a relationship. You know, he just stopped. He's like, you're not going to have this part of me. And so it's like, well, where, where do we go from here? When you say, I don't have this part of you, there's really nowhere to go. Like, I can't, you really restricted me of me being vulnerable with you because you won't go there with me. So our foundation, you know, being vulnerable is a foundation of love, like being safe in a relationship. But like a boundary, like, especially in a toxic relationship, this is going back to my friend who I said I didn't feel safe. I had to set a boundary with him, you know, because in the past, I used to, we used to complain about our mothers and how, you know, <laughs> uh, they never open up and they, you know, we just used to just complain and complain and complain. But then the work that I did with my mother shifted that whole relationship and we became more vulnerable to each other. So that argument wasn't available anymore. And since I had got to know his mother and I was just, oh, like all these complaints about her aren't really real. He's making it up. And for me, my boundary was, I don't want to gossip about people I love. And when I made that boundary with him, he was shocked because, you know, complaining about my mother, what good is what's going to do to me? Like it wasn't creating love and affinity. I'm complaining. I'm talking behind her back. We're talking about his mother's back and it really wasn't really bridging any gap. And I wasn't taking any responsibility how I was acting, behaving in a relationship. It just prolonged gossip the complaining again me being right about her me him being re- being right about his mother it didn't it didn't it wasn't creating any love so i had to set a boundary that this conversation is off limits unless you're willing to be responsible how you're acting and behaving in the relationship i'm not going to perpetuate that and he kind of looked at me and i was just like yeah because you don't want to be responsible how you're acting and behaving in with her and I'm not willing to support any complaints about something that you're not going to tackle and you're making somebody wrong. Because then for me, if I'm engaging in that gossip, that complaint, I'm, I'm allowing it. I'm, I'm just as bad as him. So boundaries are great um, in order to sustain healthy relationships, you know, especially like 
if you have a toxic parent that's always meddling in your relationship, it's like setting that boundary. Like, because you, if you know the minute that parent engages in that relationship and there is toxicity happening within your relationship, there needs to be a boundary set. Like, mom, I respect you, but your your opinions are no longer allowed. Like, your complaints are no longer allowed. We're doing great. We're doing the best we can. And unless you're supporting us and helping us tackle and heal this relationship, your complaints are no longer needed. Mm. That's, yeah, I love that definition uh, because particularly like contrasting all of those examples, right? The first piece really, it was, I mean, I wouldn't even, it's not a boundary, right? Like, because if you can't have access to someone, if you can't get to know someone, then right, you can't <laughs> relationship versus setting boundaries around certain behaviors, right? So yeah. we're not going to gossip. Um, we're not going to complain. We're, you know, those are sort of the knots. And then I also think when I, in my work around health and wellness, when people set boundaries around like, this is my me time, or this is my meditation yeah. time, or this is my my fitness time, right? So interestingly enough, like boundaries around behaviors can be healthy versus boundaries around yourself, like right. sort of self-armor can can actually get in the way of a healthy relationship. Right. And too, like going by what you just mentioned too, like I I realized that I have to set healthy boundaries too with like when I come home, like I, I want my me time to just decompress. And like I really learned that from my first relationship. Like I didn't set that it, it created huge conflicts because the minute I walk in the door, he was like, How you doing? How you doing? Like I just like bombarded with all this stuff. And I just like, okay, I love you. And the first I need 20 minutes. Just give me 20 minutes when I walk in the door, like in the conversation. So I could just like just decompress my day. And most people get offended with that but that's also like, but it's, it's, it's what I need for myself so I can just be with myself so I can be with you. So I can take care of me first, then I can be with you. Mm-hmm. Right. It's the, the put your own oxygen mask on. Right. Yes, yes, yes. And I think that's interesting picking up on what you said about, so there's the courage to set that boundary. Yeah time. And then it's interesting when you said, right, and then if your partner gets offended, or if you're the one receiving that and you get offended, then it's a matter of examining, well, why does the other person setting this healthy boundary, why why does that trigger me? Right. And most of the time, it's, it's about the other person. They're just like, they think that setting, a, if I set a boundary, they think that, um, that it's some kind of attack on them. And most people believe like, if I'm in a relationship with you, I, I own all of you. There is no hiding, there is no this, there is no that. So when in fact, that's not like, we don't own anybody, we're still, it's me before we, you know what I mean? Like we have to take care of ourselves first. It's like, you know, there was a conversation that I heard with, um, Will Smith and Jada Pickett, you know, they went through their whole marriage, just like always for each other, always for each other, always for each other. And then midpoint, you know, Jada uh, Will was like, I'm tired of pleasing you because it's exhausting. 
you know, like you need to take care of you and I need to go back and take care of me. We need to learn how to do that and then bring our best selves to each other. Because otherwise, you know, it's exhausting. Like it's always giving to the other person and like putting ourselves last, always giving. And people get offended, especially in religious backgrounds when they say, you know, oh, you're being selfish. Like I, well, you need to be a little selfish first. Because if I can't bring my best self to you, then <laughs> we're in trouble. You know, I can't give you anything because I'm depleted. There's nothing left for me. Right, right. And that thought that self-care is not selfish. It yeah, actually is it's not. Priority. Yeah. Great. So, so I'm curious, we, we talked about in your mission, we've talked a lot about disrupting the beliefs. So what is this juicy love all about? <laughs> Um, you know, um, well, first of all, that came from, I was, uh, when I was doing my certification and Catherine was called coaching one of the young participants in her love life. And, um, and then Catherine said the word juicy and I literally started giggling on the phone on the, in the classroom and everybody started giggling and I was like, Oh, I really love that word. Um, and then I said, you know, I'm going to test this word out. So during that week, I would use the word with my clients and it, it was the same reaction. And so, and then I started to like, look for myself, like, okay, what is that like? Do I know what that's like? Like juicy love life. And, you know, and I was recently in a relationship where it was like real juicy, like, cause I never thought something like that was possible where, you know, the sex is great, you know, the conversation is great. And like, you know, talking from noon, like from morning to night, like, like for me, juicy, juicy love life is like having exactly what you're creating and that it is possible because people don't believe that you can have it all in a relationship and it is possible. So that's what juicy love is. It's like you can have, everything that you want because it is possible it's like living to a possibility of you can have it all in a relationship and it and it's juicy mm. and why do you think we believe we can't have juicy love um because of people have belief this belief of like you can it's either or and so i hear it all the time you know um you either like there's this belief you can either have relationship that's you know, great sex and very little in common or all in common or just, you know, sort of okay sex. And I'm just like that. I don't, I don't know. I don't believe that. Like, I just, I think that it's possible <clears throat> that you can have it all. Of course, we all have our own things to work on, but I, I, I just, at my core, I was like, I know if I work on myself and be the thing I need to be for the other person and they do the same, then it is possible. And, you know, that's what I'm standing in. But it's possible people walk around in life like it's, you either have this or that. You can't have both. That's because people have a belief that you can't have both. Mm, that's interesting. And so, and so you're working with your clients to help shatter that belief that they can't have both. Right. They, they can have both. They can have a really juicy love life, sex life, career they can really have it all. Mm -hmm. and, and in some ways, juicy 
it's divine defined by the individual, right? Yes, it's defined by them and what they are out to create for their life. Yeah. So what's juicy for you may not be the same as what's juicy for me. Right. Yes. <laughs> I'm just going for how many times we can say juicy on the podcast. <laughs> yes. And juicy is really like when you think when I say the word, like it it just it's lights like, me up. It's like, you know, you feel giddy inside. And like even with straight men, I test it out. They're like, they get all red and bashful. They don't they don't say the word. I say, Oh yeah, that's what you want. You know, everybody has their own definition of what juicy love looks like to them. And it's okay. It's what you make it and what you're creating and what you intend on creating and what you're standing in for. And then, and, and then creating that intention and then doing the self-work is what I'm hearing a lot. You Yes. Self-work to get, you know, a lot of it is, um, well, it was a huge, breakthrough for me when I started doing calling into one is that all the things that you want in another person, you have to pr- first be that for yourself. And cause you can't expect somebody to be all these things on your list. If you're not that for yourself, because then you're depending on someone to be something that you're not, which is a trap. Cause the minute they stop being that for you, relationship problems start to happen. Amazing. Amazing. And connected to that, one of the questions that I ask all of my guests is what does start within mean to you? What does start within mean to me? That means a lot of things to me. Um, The first thing that's right there for me is how any relationship in my life is reflecting back to me on what I still need to work on with myself and how have I, how, the work that I have done on myself is reflecting back in this other person. And so I always look within when somebody's reacting to me in a very negative way or just reacting in period, reacting to me in period, I have to say to myself, okay, like what is it about me that's causing that reaction? And so I have to start with that first. Okay. I can see that, you know, the words that I chose and my intention or the way I said it is causing a reaction. And now I have power to own up to that with myself and with that person and and a place to work on. Because I'm sure that particular thing is permeating somewhere else in my life too. So um, it's starting within, like how, how can I minimize these reactions by first working on myself to not have those reactions in my relationships. Mm, that's, that, that's juicy. And what I love about that, right? That sense of when I see something in someone else, right? So right. It's, it's also that like, Oh, that person is being so this or that. And yeah. then that is often something that we're noticing um, in others, but we're not necessarily noticing in our in ourselves. Right, and it's and, and for some people looking within, it's hard for them to look. It's it's so, you know, confronting. You know, and I actually was at an event yesterday. Um, you know, a LGBT professional event. I was talking to this guy, and um, I asked him about his love life. And then, as he was talking about his love life, I heard I heard his pattern. He dates men that are in the closet 
like he's out and I will just like, okay, so what is that about you? That's reflect. What does that say about you? That's reflecting back to you. And he kind of looked at me and he's like, I don't know. I said, well, that's something unconscious about you are purposefully attracting those men that you aren't willing to deal with, with yourself. And he paused. I was just like, how do you, cause how do you be in a relationship with someone and not know they're not out? I said, you're not asking the question. You're not looking within, how is that a reflection of you? And he just paused and didn't know how to answer it. I mean, it's a very confronting question. Right. And he was like, hey, I'm at a networking event. Um (laughs) (laughs) You know what I mean? Basically, you know, but it's a really tough question when somebody, well, like for me, that happened to me. Like, you know, I, I, when I was doing a call in the one, um, uh, and one of the sections talk about patterns and I came across this thing about shame and my coach is like, okay, well, how is that a reflection of you? And I was just like, I paused and I was like, I don't know. She's like, well, where else in your life you can't articulate who you are as a gay man? And I said, oh, with my mom. And I broke down crying because I was unconsciously attracting men who had some sort of shame about them being gay. Like my first relationship, he didn't want to do PDA. And when I went to meet his parents, he had all these rules. We couldn't touch. We couldn't do this. We couldn't do that. And then the next guy, it was like, he wasn't, he was living with his best friend and he didn't even know he was gay. And I was just like, oh my God, like what is happening in my life that I, and it was, it was with my mother. Like I couldn't be fully expressed with her. And until I dealt with that with her, that whole thing stopped. Like it, I, I, I can't explain it why it stopped, but I, my self worth went up, and I stopped apologizing about this part of me with my mother, and that really shifted my whole entire dating life. Mm-hmm. Right, because it's now you're being fully authentic and true to yourself and your right. identity. Yes, yeah. Because when we hide aspect of ourselves then again, we're not being fully, it's, it's like your earlier example of like, oh, you'll only have this part of me, right? So in essence, right. you were only sharing a certain part of yourself, not right. your full self. Right, yeah, yeah. And, it, and this is not willing to deal with this pattern runs our life. Like this person who's I was talking to yesterday, he's going to end up in the same relationship again until he's willing to deal with that it's going to keep happen, keep happening. And it's an unconscious thing that we do in relationships that is running a lot of people's lives, not willing to deal with that thing that they don't want to deal with. Well, I guess it's a good thing that, that people have coaches like you. That <laughs> and you too. Yeah. And, <laughs> and be that accountability partner for, because you're right, starting within is, is challenging. And, and I say the same thing for myself. And, and I've been in those situations of why, yeah, I'm, I'm attracting all of these unavailable men. Hmm. What does that say about right. me? Right. So we've all been in this in probably on on both sides of that of that equation and it's great that you're doing your work uh, to be able to support people on this journey to the one and Uh, so so how can our listeners learn more about you and the work that you do to help them (laughs) uh, 
Um, you know, you can find me at my website, jimmyallencoaching.com or uh, my podcast, Crazy Juicy Love, which is on Anchor, uh, Spotify, and Google Play. And, and I highly recommend uh, my uh, Instagram, just um, Jimmy Allen. You'll see all my posts around coaching and love. And, and then you can, and the link in the bio is a link to all my other social media um, platforms. That's fantastic. So I'm going to do a count so we can put in the show notes how many times we said juicy. juicy. On show. <laughs> <laughs> I love juicy. I love it. So yeah. well, I'm so excited that we had this conversation today. Thank you, Jimmy, for sharing all of your insights and really helping us to, to think about self as the real key component to call in the one. Yeah, yeah, thank you. Thank you so much, Colette, for um, having me on your show and doing this collaboration. I really appreciate it. Thank you. And so that's all that we have time for right now, listeners, but definitely stay tuned for another episode of Coach Chat. And for now, this is Coach Colette helping you to start within to finish strong.